0: This week's featured artist is Matthew Lawrence. When acquaintances and students ask Matthew how he ended up in the field of art, his response is one word, glue. It stems from his father's occupation as a purchasing agent to an adhesive company. At the start of each school year in elementary school, Matthew's father would send him to school with a few dozen bottles of glue to help supply the art class. During art lessons, the teacher praised Matthew on how wonderful his artwork was developing, and would then say, thank your dad for the glue for this project. At the time, Matthew thought he must have an immense talent from all the praise the teacher was giving him. This extra praise gave him the confidence to explore ideas and pursue new directions. There was a peace and lightness within him when he was making art that could only be described as a moving meditation, and this visual meditation continues to drive his work today. Matthew earned his BFA and completed the art education program at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, and then began his career teaching in darkroom photography and studio art in the Chicago public school system. He loved being able to share his love for art with high school students, and he used his time during summer holidays to travel and expand upon his passion in art. In 2004, Matthew decided it was time for a change, and he relocated to the other side of the world in Singapore, where he taught art at United World College Singapore. His ideas and influence expanded from travels within Asia, Africa, and Oceania, He also continued to dive deeper into watercolor, acrylic, oil, and mixed media work. In addition to living in Singapore, Matthew has returned to Europe and lived in Munich, Germany, and also Shanghai, China. He fondly recalls his time living in these vibrant cultures, but he always left his heart in Singapore. So in 2013, Matthew and his family relocated back to Singapore, and they're so excited to be back in this cultural melting pot that he now calls home. Currently, Matthew is integrating his photographic work with painting and printmaking techniques, thinking about concepts of old versus new and issues about sustainability of the planet. I love how he combines these different methods to make images that are both painterly and photographic. There's a complexity to the layers of images that he creates. You can see his work at mrlawrence.com, and I will link to that in the show notes. You can also see images of his work on our blog at teachingartistpodcast.com. And if you would like to be a featured artist, you can submit your work at teachingartistpodcast.com slash opportunities. Priyanka Parmanan shifted from seeing art as a hobby to creating both a teaching studio and her own professional art practice. I loved hearing about her background in business and how it does and does not inform her work. She spoke with such encouragement about resilience, don't give up, even when things are hard. Priyanka is a self-taught artist living in Issaquah, Washington. While growing up, she frequently captured the world around her in sketches and paintings that spanned across various art forms little did she know that she would ultimately pursue her passion as a profession. She finally answered her calling in 2008 and immersed herself in studying different art forms. This process solidified her liking for abstract form that gave her the freedom to reflect her thoughts and emotions which is not bound by visual reality. Priyanka has carved out a unique abstract style that is bold and vibrant. Her art is full of exciting colors and textures, which represent positive energy and spirit towards life. Her paintings are created mostly with palette knives and bare hands. She is a prolific artist in local exhibitions and loves being an art instructor in schools, local art galleries, and senior centers. Priyanka is the founder of Crimson Canvas Arts, a company that mentors budding artists. She believes that every child is an artist in their own unique way. If given the right guidance and opportunity, they will discover their creative world and experience the joy of making art. In today's busy world where art has taken a back seat, her goal is to provide children with age appropriate skills to nurture their artistic experiences. She believes kids need art To be future creative thinkers and problem solvers. I am here talking with Priyanka Parmanand, an artist and teacher based in Seattle now.
1: Hi, thank you for having me, Rebecca.
0: Yes, absolutely. I always start with the background and kind of how you ended up where you are and doing what you're doing. Could you share that story with us? Yeah, I will uh, share
1: my artist journey with you, if you don't mind. I'm a yes, um, self-taught abstract artist, and I live in the beautiful city of Issaquah in Washington State with my uh-huh. husband and two beautiful daughters, both in elementary uh-huh. school. I was uh, born in India, lived there for about 25 years of my life, did my bachelor's in commerce. And then pursued masters in business management um, marketing and insurance mm-hmm. to be precise then i started my career in corporate world uh in one of the fortune 500 companies typical corporate job. Mm-hmm. Around that time, I met my husband. And after a few years, we got married and came here to United States as he was pursuing his MBA at UCLA. And this was in December 2007.
0: Mm-hmm. About
1: art, all my life, I loved art. And as a child, I was uh, drawing and sketching for as long as I remember. I would draw a little bit after school, during school, you know, on the last pages of my textbook and schoolwork. (laughs) Yeah, uh, my parents always uh, admired art as well in any form, be it visual arts, music, poetry. So while growing up, art was always a hobby, but that was Just something I love to do, but I never thought it could be anything more than that, like not even in my wildest dreams. Uh, Yeah, I didn't go to art school. Uh, And if you ask me why, even though I loved art so much, because first of all, where I grew up, the education system was designed in such a way that after elementary school, art was not even a subject. It
0: didn't exist. Uh, Yeah.
1: It didn't exist in middle school and high school. So as a child, you didn't even know that someone can be an artist. You know, and I'm not exaggerating. Uh, (laughs) So yeah, it was academics was a big deal. It was school was all about math, Mm -hmm. science, and accounting. And the norm was the art is something you could do as a hobby. So it Mm -hmm. never kind of occurred to me until later I, I mean I didn't have a choice I it was not even a choice and
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think if you're a part of a society or community when where everyone around you is pursuing their careers in science engineering medicine so sometimes you don't even give yourself options you just do what you know everybody is doing without questioning because mm-hmm. that seems to be the only right path and so I followed along and you know at Some level, uh, we all, I think, uh, belonging is a basic human need. So to avoid that, I think, anticipated pain of rejection. You keep following the path that society has laid out for you. So I did the same thing. Yeah, coming back to my moving to Los Angeles. So everything changed around that time. There was a period of time that I was not working because I just moved uh, to a new country. I'm settling down looking for a job, so I got a lot of time to think about what I really wanted to do, to analyze, to reflect, and that's when I met a few artists and I was fortunate to meet this artist who later became my art mentor, Barbara J. Wilson. And she inspired me to immerse in studying different forms of art and pursue painting as a profession. So that gave me a platform to reflect on my thoughts and emotions in abstract form. And I think everything shifted after that. And then I pursued my passion in art as a career.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. To come from feeling like you couldn't pursue it to make and then making that shift. Yeah. To really, like, going after it is such a big change. It was. Yeah. And do you feel like having the uh, marketing and business background was helpful in that? A um,
1: uh, little bit, not too much. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, when I paint, you know, you know how painting goes, right? You pour your heart in it. So, uh mm-hmm. It definitely did help in my business side when I started teaching. So I would say that that didn't go waste. That definitely um, helped me. And I, I believe education in any subject, it never goes waste. So after I decided to start painting full time, around 2012, we moved to Seattle. And then my love for art intensified here because I. Uh, began to involve more and more in local art community and Mm. i started volunteering in my daughter's school preschool where i would volunteer to teach art and slowly starting Mm. um, teaching art to few kids from a neighborhood and one day I thought, you know what, we all know art has taken a backseat in our children's busy life. They have so much to do. And I wanted to do something about it, at least on local level. I mm-hmm. wanted to give kids a platform where they can learn some quality art lessons. So then I registered my company called Crimson Canvas Arts mm-hmm. with a goal to teach quality art lesson much more then where kids can come and learn more than just copying a picture. So I converted my garage into a small art studio and started teaching kids after school. And one thing led to another. And over the time, I expanded and started offering my program as after-school art enrichment in local schools in a few different school districts locally and also expanded my team because I realized I can't run this alone <laughs> So, um, yeah, I have few wonderful women who helped me. And last year we had over 10 schools and we tied up with local community centers where we offered our programs at senior center and we ran teen art uh, program and several such things. So, uh, yeah, I think their uh, my background definitely helped.
0: Yeah, because that is one place where I feel like a lot of artists just have no idea kind of where to begin. Yeah. Maybe I'm only speaking for myself, but yeah. Yeah, just knowing how to kind of get started and how to run an organization like that.
1: Yeah, it was hard in the beginning. But as I started and, you know, when I expanded my team, there were a few, I started volunteering and I started meeting people and started meeting like minded people who were ready to help me. So that kind of helped as well to run this entire thing.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. And do you feel like having the organization and, you know, teaching and kind of working with all of the schools and organizations that you do work with, does that feed your art making at all? Or is it almost more, I, I don't know, I don't want to say draining, but <laughs> <laughs> is, is the art, is the, like the teaching side of it and running that business? It's- sort of helpful in your art making Uh, yeah you could say but I think my art making helps my teaching I would say
1: the other way Mm -hmm. uh, because I kind of implement what I believe in my teaching from my personal experience I think every child is an artist in their own way and Mm -hmm. if given the right guidance and opportunity they will discover their creative world definitely and experience the joy mm-hmm. of making art so that I, I try to implement in my lesson plans and the way i teach i think that helps uh, yes it is stressful sometimes to manage both <laughs> for sure but uh, but i enjoy it i enjoy teaching children i love that
0: Yeah. And I love hearing, too, that your organization was born out of volunteering with your daughter's school and starting to teach, you know, neighborhood kids. And another artist I talked to that maybe you heard was Chris Brandt, who kind of got started teaching the same way.
1: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely.
0: It's so great to hear kind of just diving in because of parenting and making art on your own and saying like, why don't the kids have this? (laughs) Exactly.
1: Yeah. I I realized that there wasn't much difference here. Schools lack art education and then Mm -hmm. they do teach art, but then kids can learn so much more on so many different levels by doing art. So that Mm -hmm. was not enough. And I thought, okay, if I can do something, at least at local level to start with, I should start it, why to wait? And then it was just, uh, you know, I didn't give it much thought. And I just, reg- I, I said, okay, I have to register my company and I have to start this as soon as I can.
0: Yeah. And what do you feel like is kind of your style with teaching? You know, how do you sort of design your classes? Yeah, so
1: My teaching style, I would say I love, crafting stories about what I'm teaching and I chat with my Mm -hmm. students I make them feel comfortable about teaching art I encourage freedom of expressions and you know imagination I think uh, enhancing imagination is the key to teach art but at the same time Mm -hmm. I believe teaching fundamentals of art is equally important as well and I have noticed Mm -hmm. that uh, that encourages confidence in kids to express themselves more freely. if They know the fundamentals and I make sure they are making progress in the right direction. And I always tell them that, yes, you can break any rules in the art, but first let's learn the rules and then let's break them. So it's Mm -hmm. more fun. And that kind of makes sense to them. So yeah, I I implement that in my um, teaching as well. And I love seeing how my students grow and change.
0: Uh, I love that like learn the rules and then break them because that's something I've been told by I think it was maybe a professor but I kind of wish I had been told that at a younger age. (laughs) Yeah
1: Yeah, I, I believe that in addition to freedom of expression they need to know what they are learning they need to know the fundamentals the basics of art and and once mm-hmm. they know after that, they are more confident to break those rules and say, Okay, I know this is what I'm, you mm-hmm. know, uh, I'm supposed to do, but I'm not gonna do that. I feel of doing something like that. So that totally makes sense after that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's how I feel like breakthroughs even in you know, in other fields, like you have scientific breakthroughs absolutely. when somebody breaks yeah. the rules. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, right. I agree.
0: Do you have kind of like a favorite age level or are you you're like excited about all of them? I know they're they vary a lot, but it's interesting being in a position of teaching a range of age levels. Yeah,
1: so I would say I have um, two age levels, two age levels, which are my absolutely favorite. I mean, I love teaching art to any age group. That's needless to say, but my absolute favorites are first is, um, preschoolers and kindergartners and the mm-hmm. reason is because at that age they are very proud of what they create i mean i have seen you give them a paper and bunch of markers and they will make big circles squiggles stick figures they will make you know stick figure families sunshine yeah. <laughs> and they don't want to stop because they really enjoy that moment they don't have the ability to judge themselves They love the process and they focus on process Mm -hmm. and not the end results. And uh, I I just love that part. And it does not matter for them how the end result is. They're always super happy just by, you know, trying something. And that's how it should be, right? I mean, you should enjoy the process. So, Yeah. (laughs) yeah, so they're not worried about the result. But as the kids grow up, it's natural that they start thinking more and judge whether that's sun looks round enough or that whether that blue is too dark Mm. for the sky and little kids are just scared so uh, I love that part and oftentimes they are not creating like as the kids grow up oftentimes they are trying to meet expectations of teachers and parents so they are trying to make the art Mm. pretty while in preschoolers and kindergartens they are not trying to do anything they're just enjoying the process so I love that part yeah and my second age group which is my favorite is I have done a couple of classes at community center and I taught at senior center. So I love Mm -hmm. teaching seniors, (laughs) elderly people. They are wise, they are experienced, and I can learn a lot from them as well just by making a conversation. Mm -hmm. And at that age, they are so full of wisdom and they're above judgments, I believe, in comparison, So and they enjoy the process of creating art. I mean they just go on and they accept their art as is very similar to preschoolers and kindergartens yeah so I love that so these two are my favorite age groups to teach
0: yes I love that too that there's so many similarities between the two absolutely Yeah, I'm actually teaching a senior class right you now are? as well. That's like a a Zoom oh, class. Um, cool. So they are the only ones I actually get to see like okay. in real time because everything else okay. is just videos. And yeah, it's been it so is. fun yeah. getting to like exactly. chat with them. It's always and, fun to yeah. chat with
1: them. And, you know, they'll ask about your children and you
0: can learn so much from them as yeah. well. Yeah, so much wisdom to just sort of True. mine. True. <laughs> I guess I would be curious about any tips that you would have if there's maybe an artist or even like someone who's already an art teacher in schools, but would be interested in starting an organization and doing more like after school programming, if you would have any tips on how to get started doing that kind of thing. Yeah, I
1: would have a couple of tips, actually, and a few warnings. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) so. I think my advice for new art teachers or somebody who's beginning to teach uh, doesn't matter whether it's school or their private art classes. I would say the first year is the toughest. Mm-hmm. You will face challenges no matter how well prepared and ready you think you are. You will always run in situations and such problem you could never imagine. So, I would mm. say, don't give up. It happens. I mean, I'll give you an example. My personal example, when I started teaching, I have, you know, obviously researched and prepared my lessons and organized. And this is my first class. My table is all well prepared. And I'm very excited and confident about my class. And this was for preschoolers. That was my very first class, which means uh. all of them were about 4 years old okay and wow uh, i bought um beautiful aprons for my class um and i had no idea that i would spend first 15 to 20 minutes of my very first class putting apron on each child because, <laughs> because they're 4 years old i mean and i didn't yeah. think that they would need help putting aprons on and then after every 5 minutes i was adjusting their aprons <laughs> And uh so you know, lesson learned the very first day. Okay, no aprons in my class, dress for men. So yeah. yeah. Similarly, uh my set of paint brushes, they came in rainbow colors and I was very excited. But each child wanted their favorite colors and that made mm-hmm. some happy and some were pretty upset with me. Uh, they're right. so, <laughs> four years old and you know a girl wanted a pink and a boy wanted a blue and vice versa and then you know nobody wanted brown and then it was it was a disaster and that was my first class and I was like what's happening <laughs> so another lesson learned get all neutral color brushes no matter what rainbow right you know, just so yeah so you will face uh Many such an expected situation where you will need to make some changes for future. Another thing is projects don't always turn out the way you expect. Okay. You notes. Know, that's my you know very important tip. Take notes. You can always start over if something is not working. Scrap it and start again. It's okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Always be prepared with your knowledge base, supplies, next project. And I think in this process your students are also your biggest teachers, I would say. So after each lesson, you can discuss with them, okay, uh, what worked well? What didn't? Where did you get confused? Was it too hard? Was it, you know, too easy for you? So that will give you, your lessons will improve each year and you will categorize your lessons in a proper way that some lessons would work, some lessons wouldn't in the time frame which you have or the setting which you have. So I would say don't get discouraged. Um, Keep a journal, take notes, and improve slowly. Things get easier. Um, Be organized, be prepared. Mm -hmm. And one last thing is communication. I think set clear expectations and be consistent if you're a new teacher. Mm -hmm. If you have a set of rules for students, be kind to each other. Say always whatever your rules are. You say it consistently or you you know, create some kind of discipline or management system because kids are like sponge. So whatever you say, they will listen. And over the period of time, they'll practice it as well. But you have to practice it first. Mm -hmm. So if you say, okay, be kind to each other, you know, you say it and you be kind to them. So they will learn. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it becomes easier with time and uh, children pick up on your vibes. So keep calm. And I would say always encourage students to, enjoy the process I think that's the biggest part and that's what makes it great
0: yes absolutely you know saying it and then also modeling whatever it is you're saying yeah, yeah that's really important yeah and the aprons and the brush colors are just <laughs> you know, yes always, so I so relate yeah I always <laughs> remember that and I'm like okay no rainbow okay no yeah. <laughs> I
1: always tell parents okay you know in my art class send them in their dress which you can expect it to be messier or just have a separate t-shirt for them but no apron.
0: (laughs) Right yeah with the little ones it just takes yeah yeah, there's like half your class is
1: gone. (laughs) I'm a new teacher and I'm like all excited seeing rainbow and you know all matching (laughs) aprons and brushes but I scrapped everything. I'm like, no, this is not gonna work.
0: (laughs) So, and that, I mean, that is such great advice too. Like, realize when it's not working, and like, scrap it and figure something else out. You know that that's that's okay. Actually, a good thing. Like, adjust and
1: not getting discouraged (laughs) by you know such situation because. You can't do anything about such situation. I wouldn't have thought of it. So don't get discouraged. It happens. And that's how you learn and move on and make notes.
0: (laughs) And now that you're, um, I don't know, are you teaching everything online now? Or are you still able to do some in-person classes? How has sort of this pandemic situation affected your business and your teaching?
1: Yeah, so it did affect... In some ways, so when last school year in spring, last March, when mm-hmm. school was suspended, we brought our classes online, and since it was the middle mm-hmm. of session, we shipped all the uh, supply packets and were able to successfully mm-hmm. finish the session online. And we did wow. a lot of, yeah, it was it was a lot. We were like busy for weeks just to gathering supply packets. This was, this was so unexpected, right? We did not expect so. Right. Um, it was a big challenge for us, but it was a great learning as well. How to just transform your business model into online over mm-hmm. days, probably a week. So, but we received a lot of positive feedback from kids and parents who were so glad to be able to continue taking art classes with us, especially during this difficult time. So, yeah, mm-hmm. currently we are um hundred percent virtual and um but we have created uh, many live online lessons and workshops for ages 4 to 14 plus and mm-hmm. we are teaching several different medias like drawing sketching manga even canvas painting and using the combination of uh, traditional techniques and online tools our mm-hmm. online classes deliver i think the great art instruction as Mm -hmm. our in-person class so it's working good but I say there is pros and cons of both because in person you can actually make connections with children Mm -hmm. but yeah I would say there is some pros as well with online because I've noticed that many children who were not very you know who were shy or not comfortable speaking in the class setting now they actually talk to me (laughs) and yeah so great yeah. and it's going well.
0: Yeah, uh, that's good to hear and kind of impressive, like amazing that you were able to shift so quickly.
1: Yeah, it was very challenging. We had to decide what to do. We just couldn't shut the classes off because it was in the middle of the session and parents already signed up their kids and we needed to decide what to do because several of art lessons were not appropriate for, say, online setting. So we had to change a lot of our curriculum and lesson plans and a lot of things. But we were successfully, like me and my team, we were able to do that successfully. And uh, again, it was a learning point for us. Uh, So some things worked, some did not, but uh, Mm -hmm. we kept on going and we tried to keep what worked and we tried to scrap okay this lesson is not working in an online setting, so you're like okay just keep it uh, as a backup and so it taught us a lot of things.
0: Yeah and are most of the classes you're doing now synchronous like in real time with the kids or is it mostly videos that you kind of send out like the asynchronous lessons? Uh, no we are doing
1: the live class so I actually teach online like live session
0: like real time yes, real time yeah.
1: and sometimes so we record the lesson and sometimes kids are not able to attend the class for some reason we are also making youtube videos for the same lesson so we send them the youtube video that okay you did not miss anything here's the lesson. Oh, we nice. So yeah, that's something new, which we started this summer, making videos for students who couldn't attend or uh, for some reason their internet didn't work or so that way the YouTube videos would help them. So we are doing that and mostly self yeah. classes.
0: And is that all out of still your like garage studio or do you have a different um, location now? So um, my
1: business model is I do teach From garage, yes. So all online classes are taught from my garage studio. Before that, we would go to school, to after school art enrichment in different public schools and private schools and Montessori. But now it's all happening from my garage. And I have two other artists who are helping me with that. So some of the lessons they teach from their home studio.
0: Uh, and <laughs> is that also your art studio, like where you do your own artwork? Yes, that's correct. That's my yeah. garage, come studio, some <laughs> classroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: everything. Everything, yeah, plus my kids' hangout area, where, you know. <laughs>
0: I am jumping in here to remind you that there are about three weeks left to apply to our winter juried exhibition. The deadline is December 13th, so get your submissions in. Submit your work at exhibit.teachingartistpodcast.com. The guiding theme for this show is change. How are you seeing change, coping with change, and being a change maker? We would love to be introduced to new artists. All submissions will be considered for our social media, podcast interviews, blog, and future opportunities. Artists working in all visual arts media and international artists are invited to apply. The show will be juried by the incredible artist and educator Chloe Alexander, who goes by the hapless printmaker on Instagram. She will be selecting works for the show and helping us select eight artists to do an Instagram live studio visit with. Then Maria Coit and I will also be creating several lesson plans based on the themes in the show and on individual works in the show, and we will invite accepted artists to create optional brief videos about their process and inspiration. Videos have been such great teaching tools for me, which is what we would like to create. Maria and I are both artists and we face rejection often. It's disappointing, but I also know that no one can get into every open call they apply to, so we just have to keep applying. As one way to give back to the artists who apply to our call and are not juried into the exhibit, We've asked our juror, Chloe, to offer feedback on all submissions. That's always one of the most frustrating parts of rejection for me, the not knowing what I need to improve. Was there something I could do better next time, or was my work just not quite a fit for this show? Our hope is that we can offer some helpful feedback for all artists who apply. Our dream for this exhibition space, Play Plus Inspire Gallery, is that it showcases and builds up contemporary artists of all experience levels, while also serving as a resource for teaching about contemporary art. We want to share your artwork and inspire young artists. We cannot wait to see your work. Submit your work at exhibit.teachingartistpodcast.com. I want to get into more about your own artwork, but I did also want to ask about kind of like the, I don't want to call it like the second pandemic, but I've heard it termed that way of systemic racism Yeah, because it's, you know, it's not anything new. It's been going on a very very long time but just if there's any ways that you work to address that within your teaching practice
1: yeah definitely it's a issue which i think we all need to address at some point it's a bigger issue i think about people of color those who are not recognized so far Mm -hmm. so what i'm doing is and what my bigger goal is this year is to incorporate the lessons which are not recognized yet, so not just from the famous artists but also artists of color, so yeah. I have a favorite. her name is Kara Walker Kara oh, yes. Walker, yeah. She's a New York-based artist, and I just love her. I love her art. And I incorporate a lot of her art practice in my art. And Mm. lately, I have told my students about her. She's known for her um, candid investigation of race and gender Mm -hmm. and violence violence through her silhouette figures. And we do, I incorporate that in a lot of my art lessons. If you go through my lesson database, you will see a lot of silhouettes.
0: Uh, with children in it,
1: yeah. uh, she inspired me to do that, and then I'm incorporating it more and more. So my goal is to just not Kara Walker, but lot of other artists to incorporate. They're like uh, Lorna Simpson or Julie Mehretu, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah. just I really like Lorna Simpson' artwork. She's African American photographer and multimedia artist. So, getting her artwork and incorporating that because I haven't seen her art lessons anywhere. So, mm-hmm. I'm figuring out a way to work on that. She's well known for pioneering her work in conceptual photography. So, finding ways yeah. to incorporate that in my art as well. And Julie Mehretu, she, she inspires me a lot. She was Times Magazine. Nice most influential people of 2020 so I like her abstracted landscape on large scale so I'm working on that as well so yeah Mm -hmm. it's, it's very important to make children aware about such things and what can be better than art to tell stories through art. I mean, I think that's the best way children can understand and learn about what's going on and address the issue through art and express themselves through art.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And those are three artists near and dear to my heart too, especially I love maps. So Julie Maratu has been a favorite for a long time. But I like also the way that you're talking about incorporating their work in a way that really digs into like the concepts, the thoughts behind their work. Exactly, yes.
1: And then I think art is a subject where children can also understand and grasp more about race and gender and what's going Mm -hmm. on. So I think that is the right way to address the issue, especially when you're talking to children about it.
0: Yeah. in a a way that you can empower them, like give them a chance to express themselves and their own experiences. Absolutely. Yes. Well, I would love to now hear more about your own work. Do you think maybe you could describe your work for someone who hasn't seen it? It? yeah I would describe oh, it's hard but um... I know i kind of hate asking that question because I'm like this is why we're visual like we can't <laughs> yeah i think it's i mean I can describe it
1: every day in a different way but right. as a, a bigger picture a high level picture i would say, my art is texture and surface are very important aspects of my art, no matter what I am creating. Mm-hmm. And I would say it's full of exciting colors and vibrant. No matter what I am making, you will find interesting textures made with palette knife and other things. I love to experiment, especially when it comes to textures. And I mostly work with acrylic paints and palette knife. And I say my fingers are my best tool. Yes. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. I love that. And I work in, um, Simple, spontaneous way moving back and forth very loosely across the painting surface using bold marks. And lately I'm working on abstract floral mm-hmm. series. That's my biggest series body of work so far. I name it Hope because I think my art beat my state of mind and flowers, I think it signifies hope because um, the story behind it is seeds can do wonders like you plant bulbs on your driveway and then you wait for weeks and months sometimes with the hope that something will go and then you see something green in your driveway and, you know, no matter in what mood you are, you cheer up. The joy and there is a hope. So, ah. so I think it's a celebration of human spirit and representation of positive outcome. It signifies hope for better tomorrow. Mm. So I think my art represents hope in tomorrow, hope in future. There's something magical about hope. I guess yeah. you can, as I said, you can witness life sprouting from barren lands, and ah. as long as you take the first step of planting seeds. I know it sounds uh, cliche, but it's not. I think. Hope is because we are because hope is. So
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so needed right now, especially.
1: It is needed, especially in this daunting time. And I think I transform my own concerns and, you know, anguish mm-hmm. into something simple and hopeful and beautiful. So I think my role is to offer hope through my art without being superficial message of to society and community and world at large yeah that's what my art is about
0: (laughs) that's beautiful and I see that like with just the bright colors that you're using and I love looking at the flowers and how even you know your florals are like there's so many moments of real abstraction within them as well which I really love
1: thank you all the
0: sort of drippiness and texture in there
1: yeah no Thank you. Yeah, it's, I just kind of paint it very loosely, making old marks. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I hope everybody can see the body of my work like a celebration of indomitable human spirit, I guess. And mm-hmm. yeah, but it's so different every time how I express it. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to actually describe your work when you have to do it because it's so much of yeah. it is abstract and depend on your thought process but Mm this is in a nutshell
0: yeah I mean I totally feel that as well now I've been recording some drawing lessons and one of them was the goal was to have the kids really like draw sort of abstractly but in a way that was calming so we talked about like let's just draw with both hands draw shapes draw circles that you're kind of breathing yeah Yeah, I
1: love that lesson when kids draw with both hands and then I've also told kids to draw with their toes to put you know to just oh, uh, put pencils yeah. in between toes and just draw just listen to music and draw with your toes and that is those lessons are so much fun and relaxing kids need that kids, kids yeah need such uh, things especially during
0: this time yeah like as we do it I talk about breathing in Good feelings breathing, like breathe in anything like joy or happiness, and then like breathe out anything that's negative and like imagine it being put into the paper. Yeah. Yeah. Which then, (laughs) then I have this picture of like, well, does that mean my art is just full of all these negative things <laughs> it's <laughs> containing them and holding them
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but just that
0: experience i feel like that exactly, process can be helpful yeah that process is definitely helpful for sure i see a lot of positivity in your work and still just loving that sort of push and pull between realism and abstraction and yeah, all the textures yeah. i i love yeah. that
1: that somewhere in between and i let it complete that you know that push and pull of colors I uh, let it complete by itself so I don't force it where it goes
0: yeah like each painting kind of has a mind of its own
1: yes exactly
0: Uh, yeah And could you talk about the business side of art? And I'm curious, especially, and I keep saying like, you have a business background, so you must be so great at this. (laughs) Like how or whether you sell work and if you would have any tips for artists on that? Yeah, definitely.
1: I have my art. I sell obviously on my website Mm -hmm. at And I also participate in local exhibitions and sell my art through that. And I am always look out for the opportunity for call for art. And if it Mm -hmm. resonates my work, I apply for that. Right now, my main focus is, more on my teaching to kids Mm -hmm. so but I always you know I'm actively involved in art community here in suburbs of Seattle and I said I participate in events yeah Uh, one thing I can say is it takes time to find the right platform for you to begin with Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of time and then I would say for some artists one platform would work and then for others that platform might not Mm -hmm. work so I would say it's a very broad subject to discuss to sell art because first of all, there are so many different platforms and I would say over the period of time with your experience what do you want you will know what is the right platform for you so I tried for example just to give an example Etsy I took some images and then I put my art on Etsy and I realized no this is not the right platform for Mm -hmm. me because I did not know till I actually jumped in there and I actually realized because other artists around me were selling right from Instagram and Etsy and I was like okay let me try but then I realized that no this is not for me because my art is more appropriate for say only sail through galleries or you know so exhibition because I cannot produce so much art, mm-hmm. which can be reproduced and I can sell on a big platform. So probably that's not for me. Yeah. And my focus right now is on the teaching side of my business. So I am focusing more on that part and selling only through exhibitions or local galleries or small art shows. That's my platform for now. But going forward, probably I will explore more platforms. But yeah, currently, I think just doing small art shows and small call for art is my platform. And as I said, over the period of time, everybody will realize what works for them and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. But there is a right platform for each art, I believe. Nobody should get discouraged by saying that, oh, I did not sell anything over there, Uh, so maybe that platform is not right for you. So try another one. And it's a long journey before you find the right platform for you to begin with. Yeah,
0: I feel like that's really helpful just to hear. It's not a one size fits all thing.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I think you put it the right way. Uh, it's not one size fits all when it comes to art. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Our work is all so individual, like the stories we're telling and how we're producing our work. Everything is just so individual that that makes Exactly. Sense. Are there any sort of resources now that we've said, like, it's not one size fits all? Are there any resources that have been really helpful, which maybe that's just like, you know, where do you find calls for art? Or is there any, like, I don't know, tips about like framing and shipping and that kind of thing that might be more universal?
1: I would say resources, what held me the most is if you are, and maybe, it's uh, you know, it's not something new, which I'm telling, but I think... Actually going to art events helped a lot and subscribing for newsletters from local art store or um, local art galleries or say artist events, podcasts, or there are so many mm-hmm. local artists or international artists. So going to their websites, learning from them and subscribing to their newsletters because they can teach you so much, which you cannot actually just Google it. That I think that helped a lot because you read something that's different and when you actually somebody telling you what worked for them is very different. Mm-hmm. So what worked for me is actually listening to different local artists in art events or opening receptions mm-hmm. for artists and then they would talk to you that oh okay you know um, I met so many curators through such art mm-hmm. events and then I subscribe to their newsletters and now that's how I know what's going on. Also, definitely, I would recommend to look for your local art magazine. So for Seattle mm-hmm. Art Magazine or whatever your local art chapter is. So definitely uh, taking a look there because that's something you start with local and then slowly you progress. So mm-hmm. that's something which is really helpful. Uh, so yeah, that's something which helped me a lot, just listening from artists. And then that's how. I started going to opening receptions and then artists would tell me that what where they apply and what they do. And that's how I know what works locally, because uh, to be very honest, I had, you know, as I mentioned before, I did not have art background and I did not know any curators or artists personally, like zero. And it frightened me. I I mean, I like the idea of art despite not knowing anything about the world of galleries and museums, my resume did not show any art school degree. Mm -hmm. And it alarmed me because I had nothing. And I did not know how to approach artists or curators or gallery, or whether to approach them or not. I thought, oh, maybe I shouldn't because I don't have art background. And I knew how to make art, how to create. And that was it. I did not know how to sell my Mm -hmm. art or where to teach art. But I realized it was more of a self-doubt and as I said there's a platform for every art and it takes time to find the right platform for you Mm -hmm. because you know once I started that I mean it's funny because then I started applying for jewelry exhibitions and it's funny because all my self-doubt was gone because I they started accepting my art and I was like oh okay maybe I was wrong about it maybe I should approach them So, yeah, I would say that definitely talking to local artists and uh, not having that Mm self-doubt can remove your biggest barrier if you remove the self-doubt. And just start approaching galleries and just, you know, just be open about your artwork, what you do, what you believe in and what your art is all about, just email them and then you would be surprised to know that they do, you know, reply back to you. They are interested in new artists and you never know who will like your art. So definitely keep trying. You never know, especially for beginner artists, you never know what can work. And sometimes you think that, you know, that gallery is not approachable and probably I shouldn't apply there because only experienced artists are accepted there. It's not true. I mean, just approach them, talk to them, and then one idea will lead to another. And then that's how you will find your writing platform. Yeah. And about uh, framing. So most of my arts are unframed, Mm -hmm. but there are some watercolor art which I frame and then I strongly believe in supporting local businesses. Mm -hmm. So I go to my local framing shop and they actually talk to you and they would find the uh, right solution for you if you are on a budget or if you want something specific. And they will definitely go out of the way because you both are supporting each other in a way. So I'm very big for supporting local businesses
0: yes yes absolutely and kind of trusting the experts like if you don't have framing experience trust someone who has that that expertise yeah
1: exactly yeah
0: yeah i love that it's all so encouraging to just kind of get out there and be patient because it might take a while but it will happen
1: yeah it will it will happen and it's a long journey and um, and um we are here because we enjoy the process and we love those artistic moments. So it takes time. Yeah. You, you just have to salt out, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I feel like the more people I talk to, the more I realize that everybody has that. <laughs> yeah, oh yes, Absolutely. absolutely and even just you know i've listened to other podcasts and hearing from artists that are much more sort of famous or just how what i picture as like successful in their careers with you know museum shows and all of that stuff who go through the same thing like they get rejections they you know have times with where they can't sell anything and they have times where they doubt everything they're doing like what's what is it all
1: Yeah, I think it's basic human nature. At first, we doubt, I guess, on our own abilities. And over the time, we sort of realize that it's just not us, It's everybody, they're dealing with the same thing. And then you're like, okay, you're not alone. Um,
0: And that's so reassuring. It's, I don't know, it's, I am almost like sad that everybody deals with this. Yeah, it's reassuring that we're not alone. It's sort of natural to have those feelings. Yes, yes, yes. And how old are your daughters now? You said they were elementary. Yeah, one is seven-year-old
1: and one is, uh, she just okay. turned 10.
0: Oh, uh, so they're still pretty young. <laughs> yeah, they're young. How are you fitting everything in now? Are they doing school at home or are they able to go back? No, they are, um,
1: they are doing school from home. And I say, I wear yes. had time I'm out. <laughs> oh mom uh, which you can relate and um uh, they both are in elementary school and everybody's working from home now and even before I would drive them to school and their classes and play dates mm-hmm. and but in general in the morning I would settle my kids with their school and then I spend my morning doing my office work mm-hmm. like emailing parents or following up with uh, community centers or uh, other art programs and updating websites, so that part of it. And then in afternoons and evenings, I have my classes to teach. Mm -hmm. And then in the night, when I put my kids to bed, that's when I start painting for myself. Mm -hmm. That's when I create art. Sometimes, mostly during weekends, I paint with my family. So not necessarily paint, but just create something together, hanging out together. They will do crafts and I will paint and my husband is just hanging out. So, you know, we we discuss uh, business together, art together. So they're a big part of my journey and we share that creative space together. So I want them to be a part of what I do. I enjoy spending more time with that, them together due to you know, online school. But at the same time, you know, life gets busy because everybody is happening in the home. And sometimes there are days when I cannot do my paintings because other things come up. And then there are some days where I would just paint morning, afternoon, evening. So it's really different. But I think we are all learning. We have all learned a lot during this daunting time yeah,
0: definitely <laughs> and I have a couple of just kind of fun get to know you questions yeah so one what are you curious about right now
1: I would say I'm reading and researching, or maybe seeing documentary a lot about a lot these days about social media, technology, mm. and it made me curious. Do we have control over technology, or does mm. it have control over us? No. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, no jokes apart, I'm really curious on you know how to create resources on my website to make lessons. And I realized that in this pandemic, the world is small because you know, now I can reach children from different parts of the country and yeah. I can actually teach them lessons because it's all virtual online. So I'm actually curious about the technology and media right now.
0: And even, you know, there's the potential to reach kids or, you know, people all over the world too. Exactly. It's kind of yeah. Amazing. Yeah. amazing and scary at the same time. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Uh, that's
1: why I said, does it have control over us?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been avoiding watching that documentary on Netflix, right? Yes. I, yes I'm, that's like, how I, I I'm scared to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but you should watch. It's really an eye-opener. I keep hearing that I need to watch it and I'm just kind of putting it off because I know it'll be upsetting yeah. in some ways.
1: It, is. It, it makes you think you know um, Yeah. you
0: must watch yeah <laughs> I eventually will get there <laughs> I'll build up the nerve yes, <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, um, okay a fun other little question what is your go to order at your favorite restaurant
1: oh um, I'm a fan of um, noodle soup so mm-hmm. anything in a bowl um, is my comfort food so Noodle soup with some uh, spring roll and boba tea Mm. is my, yeah. Yeah,
0: nice. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Something warm. Something warm, yeah. That's my, uh, that's my comfort food. Yeah. Something warm, noodles, so, yeah. Nice.
0: (laughs) And is there anybody that you would want to thank? I mean, uh, a big thanks to you for having me on the (laughs)
1: podcast. (laughs) and also to my family my art mentor and it's important to have some people Mm -hmm. in your life who encourage you and no matter what you're going through they're always with you like uh, I think my family is my biggest Mm. cheerleader no matter even if I do a small lesson they will just come and hug me and cheer for me so Small things, I think, help. So I'm very fortunate to have that. And it's hard sometimes. It's more than what actually is visible. There's always so much more to it. And as I said, as artists, we fail many times. We get up and try again. It's a struggle and it's choice to struggle, mm. I think. Uh, yeah, but I believe uh, we play, we all as an artist, we play a uh, different and necessary part in contributing to overall health and development and well-being of our society. so we should be proud of ourselves. so Yes. Uh, yes, yeah. absolutely. And I would definitely like to give a shout out to all our individual artists who are working so hard, even though they fail, they get up and get back to work. So yeah, shout out to all the artists and teaching artists. Yes.
0: Last thing, where can our listeners connect with you online? You can visit
1: me at priyankastudio.com to know what's happening with my art school and to see some resources, some art lessons. You can visit Canvas arts.com. And you can also follow me on Facebook at Crimson Canvas Arts or Instagram
0: at Crimson Canvas. Awesome. Yeah. And I will link to all of that. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Priyanka. This was really encouraging and hopeful to hear. No, thank you, Rebecca. Thank you for your time. And thank you
1: for having me. It was great chatting with you and discussing everything what I've uh, you know my journey and everything it, it was a great experience
0: yes I feel like your story is very inspiring so thank you thank you thank yeah. you for your kind words <laughs> yes <laughs> ah, what an encouraging and inspiring conversation I loved hearing Priyanka's background and how she pushed through self-doubt and continues to do so in her art practice thank you so much Priyanka Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can reach me at Teaching Artist Podcast on Instagram or TeachingArtistpodcast at gmail.com. Who do you want to hear from? Please share your recommendations of Teaching Artists. And if you loved this episode, please subscribe, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, and follow me. It really makes a big difference. Thank you.